It's like yeah. that Gemini placement is like the original secret handshake, not in the Scorpio secret handshake where we're like, look into my eyes, right? But, <laughs> but in the Gemini secret handshake, which is just a whole different thing. So the witticism that what is clever, what is chatty. Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Excites Us, the show that talks about sex and sexuality throughout time and place, including the here and now. My name is Gwen Isaacs. I am a sex coach and educator, and this episode I am chatting with my friend Linda River Valente about Venus and Gemini and how it can be used to inspire extra fun playtime and how to use tarot and oracle cards to further explore that playful side. Linda is an astrologer, a holistic sexuality educator, a burlesque dancer and producer, and an all-around great person. You can learn more about her on her website, lindariververalente.net, or on Facebook, Linda River Valente. And this week, we have a special bonus just for Patreon members. So if you would like to learn more about that, please go to whatexcitesus.com and find out how you can join us and become part of the conversation yourself. Linda, thank you so much for coming on for this amazing topic that you've suggested. And I'm super excited. Should we just jump right in? Let's just yeah. jump right in. So the first place I want to frame up for friends is when in astrology, when we talk about a planet being in a sign, it gives that planet and the thing that that planet is in charge of, it gives it a certain flavor. It gives it a certain energy. So if we say Venus, who is love and friendship and relationship and beauty and aesthetics, if we say Venus is in a sign, then we're getting a sneak peek at what those themes in life will look like for that stretch of time. So when we say Venus is going into Gemini, as she is doing for June the 22nd through July the 17th, then we can kind of frame up that time and have the beat on what the energetics will be like. We can choose to collaborate with that, to make the most of it, to do things that are in alignment with that energy, to not push the river. If perchance we want to take a whole different tack, we take a minute and think about it and say, is this the moment, right? So it's especially exciting to think about Venus and what she's up to within a sort of a podcast or a salon style dialogue like this, because we're talking love and sex. So we want a little update on what is the available uh, landscape or vibe for love and sex and relationship when she's here. So this, what we're going to do in, um, after talking about Venus and, and Gemini is we are going to exemplify one of her core values, which is play and mischief. So for friends who are, who are marking this in and trying to say, okay, what? so what does this vibe feel like? When Venus is in Gemini, it is about curiosity, communication. Gemini is an air sign. So this is about the intellect. This is that cerebral mischief. It's immutable energy, which means eh, some days like this, some days like this. Like that Gemini sensibility is fluid. It's literally mercurial, right? Because Mercury is the ruling planet. So Gemini is that versatile, novel, changeable, change them up. I'm going to try on the different hats. I'm going to try on the different personas or voices or ways of being. Gemini is, uh, when we think about its kind of sacred orientation, it is the time of dawn in the morning. It's the season of spring. It's the direction of east. There are all these kinds of ways that we get to frame up what Gemini feels like. 
when I, as an astrologer, when I think about medical astrology and astro herbology, that's a kind of another cool jump off point for love, sex, relationships, as it relates to Venus and Gemini, because Gemini is in rulership of the hands, the fingers, the wrists. Gemini is in rulership of the lungs, all of our capacity for breath, right? The nervous system and the neurological systems. So Gemini is, if we were to stretch that Venus and Gemini, we would think the word inspiration is to take a breath, right? And the idea of inspiration, of craving freshness, fresh air, inspiration in our relationships and our exchanges, that's big. And there's this sense of youthful, mischievous, embracing the childlike, right? Venus and Gemini is an incredibly social energy, an incredibly cross-pollinating energy. It's time to learn. It's time to grow. It's time to be curious and explore. So this bracket of time really highlights that in us and in relationships. So when you start to hear that frame up, that language, that um, can you start to bring to mind what that might look like or what some of those themes could be from your perspective? Well, that's an actual question. You want me to think? <laughs> um, expansion is sort of the word that comes to my mind. Bringing forward and and bringing forward not in a way that I that I'm fully aware of yet, yes. but sort of pulling like a, a crystal ball, for lack of better words, or mirror ball is actually what's coming to mind. Yeah, that's and, Gemini. <laughs> and 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 seeing how things look and the different perspectives. That's a great, yeah. Of that. And yeah. and wanting to shine that in my garden. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's a great one because it's like Venus and Gemini is like, let's fuck around. Let's expand. Let, let's take the mirror ball and bling this around and see if we can get these multi-facets to really show up in our language, in our lenses, in our perspective, in our identity, in our desire, in the way that we approach maybe a relationship script. So yeah, expansion is, it's a right on thing. It just, it feels um, a little obtuse, you know, like, like expansion, but not clarity with that. Yes, exactly. Because Gemini largely has not much interest in needing to nail the exact right answer. Okay. When we think about Mercury and they, Mercury, they are the ruler of Gemini, the planetary ruler. They are fluent and fluid, and they are all about crossroads magic. So there's a very, there's a wilder intelligence at play here, a more playful player who's in the, in the frame right now. And it's that sense of really being unafraid to lean into novelty and know that it like does not blow up well, it blows up the world in the best way, right? But it doesn't blow it all up for us to play around and let ourselves consider to pull something into the imaginal. What might it be like? So when we're talking to our partner or partners or when we're working with ourselves through these relational pieces, it's like, can we make a little play pact for this time that Venus is in Gemini for these weeks, could we say that we're interested in learning? We're interested in learning alongside each other. We're interested in the way that by incorporating more changeability, more mutability, as, as we call it in astrology, but more flexibility, right? That, that would be the plain old way to say it. How can that energetic come in and really breathe new life into things. Cause I think a lot about this when, you know, when I'm working with clients and we're doing sort of like erotic liberation stuff, 
whenever we're working within a monogamous structure, there are a trillion and one ways to create this play and this novelty that we so need. And it struck me like, oh, this could be such a great way to to teach this play modality for Venus and Gemini as a way to say, however fixed you may feel, however solid and enduring and smooth the container of the moment is, there is ever room on the inside of that for more learning. So that's kind of where it's, the frame of where it's coming from. As you're describing this, I'm envisioning folks pulling out those long-term random fantasies that they haven't thought about in a long time or the the really silly things like let's yeah, get yeah. the the chocolate sauce out you know the stuff that you only see in the movies but every now and then you want to try like <laughs> yeah. let's let's lay out the 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 sheet on the bed and and just like be really silly and have some fun with it yeah and not be so serious about it because it, it sex never looks like porn you know so when we try to get it to look like porn then we end up getting really frustrated but if you can approach it with that same sort of a playful mentality and so then you know when you queef or fart or whatever like you can just giggle about it (laughs) and i think that part of like you're right so right on in the aspect of humor when we think about gemini they have the wicked inside jokes. I mean, their wit and witticisms, the word witchery, the ways they are turned on, the dirty talk, the how to do the dirty talk, the how to do the dirty talk inside out. Like that is another really great place when it comes to the the idea of play in communication and that the humor that is in that, not taking things so very seriously. That's the order of the day with Venus and Gemini. Now, can it go um, oh, sideways in a profound way? You bet. I mean, there could be no shortage of misunderstandings or moments that people are in relationship within the next three or four weeks, and they are bewildered because they don't maybe don't know what their desire is, or their desires are mutable, they are changing, and there isn't space maybe to have honest dialogue. You don't have to want to leave an arrangement or or be without your partner or be with a partner you don't want to be with. Like It's like it doesn't have to be as dire as that. It can even be the small things where you're realizing that communication is like coming into keen focus. So If Gemini is such a wizard, such a magician with words and communication, how can we, I don't know, maybe do like, do you remember, do you not remember, remember Mad Libs? It's like my hammiest, like, if you were an 80s child, you're like, don't pretend you don't know Mad Libs, right? So you play Mad Libs and you have to do where you like fill in a noun, fill in an adjective, and it gets hammier and like way more crass and everything happens. And then you read the story back and it's like, you're totally losing it about how funny it is because you've just kind of thrown your hands up and been willing to speak in a way that maybe you don't always speak. There's something about being willing to lean into that in a safe way during Venus and Gemini that has some polish to it, has some fun to it. There's a lot, if, if, you were, if you were to approach this Venus and Gemini with a magical lens, a sexual and magical lens, you'd be really creating spells, you'd be creating enchantments, you know, so- songs, poetry, um, ways that your words are speaking things into reality. And if you were to merge that, say, with the energy of orgasm or the orgasmic energy of play, right? It's not about hitting the fucking bell at the top of the thing every time, right? That's being in the flow. That's gonna, that raising up that energy works just as well as the, I just whacked the bell at the top, right? So some of that intentionality, are there songs, are there spells, are there enchantments 
that you want to put some play behind, that's a great idea too. Yeah, well, I, I definitely got some ideas. I just got back down to uh to Brooklyn being away for a little more than a week. Um and uh you, you know, life is crazy. Um, but <laughs> I'm like, oh, my toy bag is here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna bust out, you know, I hardly ever bust out the toy bag yes. when I'm on my own because you know, you get, you get not, not stuck in a rut per se, but in a groove. Yes. Right. Like yes. I, I, I definitely have a self-play groove. Yes. And uh, yeah, just as you were talking, I was like, oh, I'm going to take this toy out and I'm going to yes. maybe do some writing with this thing and, yes. you know, really, yeah, raise the energy. Yes. Um, and the, the whole idea of the whole idea of toys and games, it's kind of, um, when I started thinking about this, it was for myself, oh, maybe eight or so years ago that I started merging tarot and oracle work and other divination work with the idea of the erotic. And so what that looked like for me, just myself at the beginning was, I had a devotional orgasm practice where I had a very specific Oracle, much loved Oracle deck, which I still have. I would draw a card at the beginning of my time, my solo time, right? And my energy and my orgasm would be directed toward that um, symbol or that deity or that energy or so what I started to do over time, the more I worked with people and, and clients in this capacity, we started to fold in tarot and oracle cards and other types of divination too as well into this sense of play because we don't think about systems of divination like tarot. There is no fucking doubt that they are sacred, sacred business. They are spiritual technology. They are also a kind of a game, the kind of game that the universe wants to play, the kind of wild where it's not just human players, but it's the more than human world, the non-human players, the spirit, other entities, other energies, right? So even if you are not partnered and you are in a solo sexuality practice and you are surrendered to being your own lover in a really deep way, you still get to fucking play a game as much as you want, which uses these tools and toys to get you thinking imaginally. It's almost like you're inviting other players in the non-human players. And that's part of what feels also so fun, Venus Gemini-ish here, is because of the way that you can employ not just your tarot and your oracle, but like you, if you have a toy bag or a toy box, you could do something like divination by closing your eyes and putting your hand inside and taking out the thing, you know, and saying, uh, well, you, I'll kind of like set us up for a little card play, but you could trade out. You could use your toys in that way. You could, you could use your closet in that way. You could use your kitchen cupboards in that way, right? These are all ways of seeing signs and symbols and saying, ooh, this makes my poetic mind, this makes my imaginal mind, this makes my wild mind want to play like this. And so tarot and oracle happen to be great ones for us, right? Because so many folks do already have relationships with cards, feel pretty free and easy about picking cards and being playful with them. And it's such a deep individual, uh, individual inquiry, but it feels safe. Like I could play with these people. I know them. They're my deck, you know? Yeah. As adults, we don't play enough. We don't, we do not play enough. And, and when we remind ourselves how much we need to play, it is very easy to then continue to hold that Saturnian sensibility that says, 
well, this is the kind of play and this is the most enriching. And what about this? And, and it becomes like a fucking personal improvement project instead of the really like, I have 20 minutes and I'm going where I'm going. Like yeah. it's completely different. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really hard not to fall into that trap. Oh, I have downtime. I should do something, yes. you know, productive or what have you. And mm-hmm. and actually, play is super productive. Releases us in ways that we can't access otherwise. Exactly, and that's the kind of like the wild, more than human, and yet deeply human kind of magic that really gets unlocked by play and by games. I mean, there's something that happens like. Unless you have a lot of stress and strain around games and play, which we want to fully respect, fully respect, and yet also invite you, right? You're a big person. Your business is your business. You don't play with rude friends. You know, you're you're in the safe zone. So this kind of sensibility, no sooner do you take out a game or take out a toy Something happens in our systems. It's a cue or a prompt that says, I'm actually going to enter a different type of time. This is a time out of time. And with the erotic, and time out of time is such a powerful way to experience the erotic anyway. This episode of What Excites Us is brought to you by me. I'm Gwyn Isaacs, and besides being your podcast host, I'm a certified sex coach and educator. And right now, I have some openings for text-based clients. I love coaching over email and text. It allows you to be open and vulnerable in ways that may feel too difficult in person, which lets us tackle the concerns you have at your own pace. Very few of us were taught how to have sex. Most of us are feeling our way through the dark, hoping we get it right. I can help you build skills in the bedroom and navigate your intimate relationships. I have two ways you can sign up to start texting with me right away. When you go to earthlydesire.com slash coaching, you will find a weekly subscription for daily correspondence and a way to schedule a live one hour text chat. Visit earthlydesire.com to start on your path of more pleasure today. You deserve it. So here are just a few ways that we can start to think about tarot or oracle cards and kink. So remember, if you are a friend who has read tarot for ages, they're your friends, you know them well, you've traveled, you've traveled. Give yourself extra permission, extra permission to play a little looser this time. And it'll make sense as we go through. If you are using Oracle cards, wonderful, because these Oracle cards are oftentimes so stripped down just to symbology or archetype or um, that there's a lot of room for stretch. There's a lot of room for play. Tonight, we're going to use a deck that is just seems to be ideally designed for this, which we'll talk about. But so you choose and you say, great, I'll take, I'll pick a deck. I've got the deck right here in front of me. Now, how pray tell is this going to have anything to do with kink? Especially if I have never done stuff like that. I don't, I don't know. I'm curious or I'm interested, or maybe I even had a really hellacious experience or, oh, well, I do it all the time anyway, right? So how, pray tell, does this connect to kink? Think of it in this way. We can experience the erotic on this beautiful spectrum. In one station of that spectrum is what we would think of as sensual pleasure. And maybe when we stretch to the other end of the spectrum, we would experience something as specifically sexual pleasure. Now, we love when that shit happens all at the same time. We love, like, all the buttons are pushed here. The sensuous and the sexual. But also, we can play in those spaces separately and very happily and experience unique types of pleasure there. When I start this exercise with people, I say, 
you decide at all times what patch of the spectrum you feel like playing in. There is no one to impress. You are not the cool kid if you push yourself into a place where you're genuinely uncomfortable and feel kind of lost and then start to feel kind of spun out about it. This is not an exercise to be like the infinite nth degree kinkiness. That said, (laughs) if you are inclined to, in a very Gemini playful way, to maybe stretch some of the imagery or some of the thought around sensation or some of the vignettes that you'll bring to mind. If you feel like stretching those out and kind of playing around, great. This is just all within your imaginal realm that you get to decide if someone is lucky enough to play with you, but this is just these readings, this is for you. So you start yourself out holding your deck in that way. And you would say to yourself, do I understand? Do I get this idea of the difference between the sensual and the explicitly sexual? All right, well, let's try. Let's try this right now, you and I, to help people understand, well, what? how would that difference come alive and play? Let's first read for the sensuous, for the sensual. I have a deck in my hands that I'm going to draw from, and I'll show you the card that, that I pick. This deck is what a friend. Um, this is such a clever one. This is the Wild Unknown Archetypes Oracle deck. It is by Kim Krantz. It is a beautiful, snazzy, round deck with beautiful images. Because it is archetype, you get to play. You get a wide range for play, right? So let's see what you and I can do to create sensual play in an imaginal vignette brainstorm with this card. Ready? This card is called The Judge. Oh, my goodness. And The Judge is uh, broken into four sharp quarters in stark black and white. Someone's hands are like, please judge now. And the other hand is like, this is what you're going to get. And then it's just, there's lines there. Ah, that looks like the planet Pluto, actually, which is like, (laughs) fuck you, I'm judging you. Then there's what, what is this? A cat eye, I think, right? So the judge. Now, wow, probably it could get really fun and wild on the other chunk of the spectrum easily, but this is our challenge. The judge, how could the judge come into sensuous, erotic play? In my kind of vault of imagery, I think of a judge sitting in that position of height, like great height, and looking down on things in that way of discernment, and that that people would look up to the judge to receive the verdict, right, or to hear the proclamation. So that sets up a visual for me of uh, there is sensuous play, I am the all-knowing, all-wise one who knows what feels good in my body and on my body, and you, the hoi polloi beneath, no, not to be too fresh, you, right, uh, penitent coming to hear or, or receive information, here is me in my sensuous power. And maybe you can't put your hands on me at all. And I am here to tell you, to make a proclamation, to show you, or to use my words to give you this catalog or these images to fill you with sensation and to fill me with sweetness and pleasure. But there's actually, um, there's great power in holding on to your own pleasure there. Not too power, power play kinkish, um, but more on the, the real, the genuine, soft, smooth side of it. That's someone I just thought of. I came to sort of, it's still in the, the realm of kink, uh, but not so much in the, the realm of hurdy. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but almost like aftercare, where, where, yeah. where, where one person is, you know, needing to be held and, and comforted, you know, head, head on lap and mm-hmm. rubbed and, and judged and loved. That's a great one. Yeah. That even though transgressions may have happened, there is still the love mm-hmm. involved and the caring and yes. 
And And then those sensuous things about aftercare that are what that friend needs. So it's more pillows, it's snacks, it's now I need your hands on me more, you know, like, so the, the sensuous nature of that, yeah, and how that could look. The integration of acceptance. Yeah, that's a great one for judge because it's like discernment and integration are so much part of that character or that role. Yeah. Okay, now we're going to go to the other side. Same deck. These are great, great friends. (laughs) I almost can't even do this one. Well, whatever. Drew it. What are you going to say? This card is. Wow. A mother. The way this card looks. Um. This is an absolutely gorgeous uh, black and white, very detailed line drawing that creates the image of a nest. And inside this nest is a lovely photo collage of stones making a further nest with a hand. See the hand up there? Serenity, peace, comfort, and a pearl right in the center. So, the mother, what could we? have as imaginal, playful, whether or in whether it stays in our own frame or out, what would we say for play for that card? Well, the obvious would be mommy play. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty clear. I, I just want to real quick note how fascinating that the cards are really working. Like they're, yes. you know, like it would have been a lot easier. Yes. <laughs> and these other two and these cards been, reversed absolutely Um, but but that sort of speaks to the whole timing doesn't it of the of the of the expanding of the of the work the mind a little bit into the playful realities yes and it's not always easy that is a that is such i mean these are (laughs) these are really great examples of like um how about we change the like well of course we can change them at any time because we are playing and that is our choice and what does it do when you try and stretch it so yeah absolutely that kind of like all kinds of stuff for me i would think of um stretching to the other side around like milk a lot of milk play going on it, it would be a moment yeah that would be pretty genius i think that's how you could hit that side of it <laughs> yeah or or goddess worship Yes, definitely. Um, Some uh, squirting that in you know is certain focused in certain fashion, right? Now, what if I chose a card from here and we did not specify if we were playing within sensuous or the stretched out sexual? <laughs> oh my god, you're gonna love this one. So, so we we get to decide. We get to decide, and here's the card. It's called. The comic. Oh my gosh. And but there's a cat on this comic card wearing a birthday hat with rainbow things coming out of it. Just nutty. And the cat's eyes are sort of like a little anime-ish. So the comic, how could we put that into this level of imaginal and play? What might you say? My first thought was to make it a whole game where you write down actions and stick them in a hat. Yeah. and have to pick and, yeah. and and then just do the thing. Yes. Yep. That's a great one. Anything that has that emphasis on, especially because this little cat just looks so ridiculous in this hat. And it says, really does. It's a very party game, like really hammy party game-ish thing. So yeah. it would be like, what are all those conventional children's party games that we can stretch out, not as predictably, but in just a like a raucous kind of way. Yes, yes, yes. So that's one way that we can start with a one card draw by determining where in the spectrum do I want to play? Or yeah, I get this, I get the hang of the spectrum. I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty solid on, on everything. I'll just pull a card and interpret as I like, right? The next thing that I do is a three card panel. And I really love using this with folks or with partners or more than partners, because what happens is all of these ingredients that we turn over 
are part of the scene or the vignette or the play script or the experience. And it is up to the player to decide which card is emphasized, which card is perhaps made central, how do certain cards balance? Is one just a, a smaller element of another? There's there's a lot of room once you get three cards in to really play around. So for this one, I'm going to use the Tarot Major Arcana. I think it'll be fun to stretch out and try and do this, right? So I am choosing three cards from the majors that are going to be part of this uh, vision that we're going to create together. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. What? This is this is wild. Okay. High Priestess. Oh, what a beautiful deck. What deck oh, are we in? Oh, I know. This is the Lime Strider. Really gorgeous. The Hanged Man. Wow. Really. Blue which Tiger. Is a, is a tiger. Yeah. And Judgment, which is a masked angel or a winged person. And so here's another thing, right? When you play with your decks, you choose the deck that you choose for a very good reason. So you really make a production of going into those visuals and those symbols. This is not an exercise solely in, well, the high priestess means this. And so she has to do that. And so whatever, I have this beautiful high priestess card in front of me in which she has antlers. She's wearing antlers. She has this gorgeous chain of flowers around her neck. She is soft. She is wearing an ankh around her neck. She is holding a crescent moon. Just inside that, we can start really piling on the, the images, right? So it's important. The deck that you choose, go to that picture. Don't do it by the book. This is all for you. The hanged man, right? We, we, we know things about the hanged man. We would read that message maybe. Yes, but then the card that you and I are looking at is this beautiful blue tiger bound with this hot pink ribbon up at the paw. And when this tiger is bound and he is the hanged man, he is inverted. So remember that in the, in the tarot, the hanged man has you upside down, has you in surrender, right? That's important to look at your card. The judgment card here also, so interesting. So if you and I were starting to create story here, what are some things for you that you just look at the pictures and you know the characters and think, oh, this could be kind of delicious? Oh, well, I mean, it's as if you drew them for me, Linda. <laughs> really uh, whatever it's my job that's what I do <laughs> it really is so you give me your you give me your play yeah uh reverence to the the high priestess I feel like I want to imbibe that personally yeah. which is unusual for me which then speaks to the the hanged man because I'm usually on the bottom side of things yeah, yeah. um and the judgment actually even though it's this masked angel perhaps holy thing. Yeah. I don't want to say person, but person like it actually makes me feel more <laughs> playful, which is unusual. That spread makes me think of all the things that we've been talking about this yeah. entire conversation. It really does. It's like an amazing culmination, especially because this particular judgment card, um, this character has their mask just barely being lifted from their face. There's their mouth. And there's in, in the position of their hands, it's like they're holding something. They are not yet removing their mask, but their mask is coming off. Two yeah. thoughts about that. One is the theater masks was yes. one of the things that it made me think of. And then also, and this is extremely geeky. I'm a huge Whovian. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like, don't blink. <laughs> don't even nope. blink. Oh my oh. gosh. Do not blink that one. <laughs> Do not blink, people. If you've watched even a one episode, this is fucking terrifying. But also, there's some serious magic and mischief going on right. in this card. And I love, especially with this particular, with the Line Strider deck, 
It's um, pen and ink with watercolor embellishment. Watercolor embellishment. So it's like, wow, even just in the scene or the vibe that is being created by the visual, wow, what would it feel like if you drew your perfect scene in watercolor or in pen and ink and gave it a watercolor embellishment? Like you could even kind of mind warp yourself into the art in that way. What, where would the paint be on your body? What, what are the lines of your body like? Is there fabric around? What's the color saturation? Like you'd start to feel yourself as canvas too. So really, really dive into that sensuous yeah, nature of yeah. the, uh, of the cards that you're looking at, whatever cards that yes, you are looking at. Because it so matters, you know, we all, ideally we choose decks that we feel moved by. And that says something alone about, about all of that. Oh, wow. Okay. I just pulled three from the uh, Archetype Oracle deck. And we have, and remember these, when we pull three, no pressure to order them sequentially, no pressure to throw everybody in equally, right? Maybe something is just, maybe there's a nod to something, right? So I've got the siren, which is a pretty gorgeous mermaid with a ruby egg by the tail. The healer, which is a three-headed snake uh, and an eye and a teardrop, really lovely. And then this is called gnosis. And it's a, a beautiful geometric shape at the center that is evoking gnosis or in other words, knowing. And so if I were to play around with this one, certainly, I would probably interpret siren musically. I would try and pull in a piece of music for play that felt deeply hypnotic that had some kind of almost like hypnagogic, trancey, like dead can dance. I would pull that in as the musical component. See, this Gnosis card is cool, right? Because this lovely geometric shape is at the center, almost superimposed on what looks like it could be a full moon. You could almost create an altar. You're creating an altar, an altar space, where there is a certain type of knowing that is going to happen as a result of the play that you begin with. So you have the music flooding in, you have created this uh, beautiful catch space for the knowing. And then we have our three-headed serpent, which is, there's almost an unlimited range of ways that we could interpret this, but I would think about three long silk cords of different hues, different colors, maybe jewel tones. And that nice slippy cord that it's like, looks like it actually belongs on swanky curtains. It's that like, it's the braided slippy one um, that's beautiful and rich. And I would maybe sit in this space of knowing with the music flooding in, get in a trippy place, and then maybe have my invite my partner to take those three serpents and wind them around my body somewhere that I could become sensitized to the knowing in my body. Right. All right. That's my three cards. Right. That's beautiful. That's what I would do with those. From there, you play the way you want to play. Somebody might completely emphasize this gnosis card, and they might want to have a type of play that was deeply about meditation. Maybe it is a silent meditative play, right? Like you get to decide where you want to dunk in and, and what you want to do with the cards. So that's the three card play panel or play spread. Even just from that, if you are... If you are wanting to have solo play where you really have full reign over things and you get to stretch your sensibility in new ways, the three card panels were a lot, a lot of fun. The I last really liked the way you pulled in the different senses. 
um, music and the the sensation of touch with the very specific what the chords would feel like. Yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm just going to speak for myself. I forget to think about all of the different senses that yeah. are involved, and and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Gets yeah. very very centered on touch. Yes. And sensuality is really being aware of senses of yes. all the of the way that things smell or yes. sound or taste. With this type of exercise, it's really cool because you get to also learn stuff about your natural appetite, the way that it happens to be and what the strengths and the comforts are and the places that maybe feel like music oh I don't know I really don't like listening to music at that time you know it's like oh totally then don't fold that in in a partnered or in a group way let yourself sit and have communion with music no pressure no expectation maybe you learn a little bit more about why music impacts you the way it does or doesn't maybe there's a neurodiversity aspect that you need to honor here and you need to understand the strategy or the principality of music. Yeah, this is a way to be like, okay, what are the senses that I sort of always will lean into? And maybe what are the, what are the stretch outs? Yeah. And then using the cards as inspiration to help fuel that is what a brilliant and fun thing to do. Because it's just, it's, they are all sitting right there waiting for you to turn them over <laughs> give them your attention so they are they are ready they are ready players so if someone doesn't yet have a deck and they're taking this podcast as permission to go and get one to be playful with it what advice would you give them yeah well if you're someone who has been wanting to read tarot and who has been just meaning to get a deck and just hasn't gotten one yet go go for it um and you're choosing decks that are really aesthetically resonant to you you have to love the deck in your fucking hand because you're going to start to build a real relationship so you need to ha- you need to be able to really um no holds no bumps no glitches to be able to really sit and stare at each other and to do so happily so if you were choosing a tarot deck That would be so important. If you were choosing a tarot deck and you were kind of just at the beginning of getting to know that incredible system that over the decades becomes richer, right? What I would recommend is let yourself look at the cards without concern at first, without concern about what it is supposed to mean And then if that feels a little bit too like, yeah, but there's 78 cards and I don't know, and I'm trying to be laid back about it, but I don't know how much am I getting in, like, are there, how many cups are in this card? I'm trying to count the cups. I don't understand. Then I would say, okay, then for your tarot purposes, take out what are called the major arcana cards, the numbered cards from zero to 22. These are archetypal. These are symbology. You're going to be able to peek at that card and you're going to get some play warming up quickly, right? For someone who says, I don't know about a tarot deck. Well, or someone who says, I I have them all and I need a break, right? Oracle decks for the pure, clean symbology, the way that they work. Again, I cannot recommend enough this wild unknown archetype oracle deck round deck. I just, I, I, well, I do have to say this, and this is a little bit fresh. I can't, I can't believe I'm actually going to say this, but the book is somewhat of a crock of shit. If you have been a witch for 30 years, pointing at me, you do, there are cringeable moments in the guidebook deck. Now this artist is a spectacular human their life story is incredible. The body of their artwork, incredible. For me, I have a hard time with the book because I just am thinking past it. If you can use it as a jump off point, fantastic, right? That's all that we can hope is that we can each provide each other a stepping stone of some resonance that brings us somewhere to the next thing. 
So, but just know that even if you didn't crack the book with that deck, the images are so rich, you'll be able to get in and play around. So you've got options there. I I would also say that if you're in a place and you want to buy a deck and something is calling to you, buy it. Oh yeah, definitely. And if you feel like I'm not really sure, maybe I just want to scroll Amazon for a little while, that's okay too. If something jumps out at you, get it. And if not, that's okay. Yep. And you could also, if, if you are saying to yourself, oh my gosh, all this idea about play, I'm really, this is speaking to me. I'm really liking this. Um, I don't have any expectation that I'm going to buy this deck and be channeling whomever, you know, like that all the ancestors are talking to me at the same time. Although don't sell yourself short because they probably will start. But, you know, if that's not the main mission and it's play, allow yourself to say, well, this is in the sex toy kit. This fucking deck, this goes in the sex toy kit then. Fine. And, and play with it as you choose. Absolutely. Because I think people get really hung up on rules. And that is the exact opposite of what we're talking about. Yeah. And so just a friendly reminder that it's okay to just relax. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And, and especially between June 22nd and July 17th, from the perspective of Venus and Gemini, mental mischief, we'll call it that. It's like, that's the, that's the type of play that extra boost. Yeah. This has been great. Thank um, you. Thanks thank for playing. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> so Linda River Valente, are you still taking clients? Are you I open am. for, okay. Yep. Astrology, tarot, holistic sexuality, also burlesque performer and producer. I love helping people determine their burlesque persona based on their chart. <laughs> it's really fun. So should you want to play in that way, that's something too. Great. Well, I'll be sure to put all your info in the show notes. Thank you. This has been so delightful. Thank you Thank so you, much. Brenda. Thank you so much. Happy okay. solstice. Happy solstice. Okay, folks, what did you think? Are you going to bust out your cards or are you going to go get some to play around with this? It is so fun. Trust me, it is a really good time, even if it's just you. I'd like to remind you now that if you enjoyed this show, to please subscribe. And if you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can also rate and on Apple, you can review. And I would really appreciate that. It helps get the word out and helps more people learn that they're okay just as they are, even if they think their sexual things are a little bit odd. I can assure you, they're probably not. What Excites Us is produced, edited, and hosted by me, Gwyn Isaacs. All music is used under the Creative Commons Attribution License. That includes Stephen Kartenberg, Polly Plus, and this is the Victor Herbert Orchestra. The show is hosted at Tickle.life, where they host lots of other great podcasts and content for your enjoyment. Thanks for listening. 